Hot Springs Village Inside Out is a closer look at the greatness of Hot Springs Village, Arkansas and the surrounding areas, people, places, experiences. Hot Springs Village is one of the most beautiful places on earth. Join me, Randy Cantrell, and my co-host Dennis Simpson as we engage in weekly conversations to explore Hot Springs Village Inside Out. Today's show is brought to you by Central Arkansas's favorite radio station, KVRE. Find them on the dial at 92.9 FM. Stream them live at kvre.com. Ken Unger is our guest today. Ken is the Director of Public Services for the Hot Springs Village Property Owners Association. Remax of Hot Springs Village. The award-winning Remax of Hot Springs Village is the largest real estate office inside the village with over 30 full-time agents and support staff. Visit them to learn more about this beautiful place to solve your real estate needs. Call them today at 1-800-364-9007. Find them online at explorehsv.com. They are Remax of Hot Springs Village at 1-800-364-9007 or online at explorehsv.com. Ike Eisenhower State Farm. Ike and his award-winning team have been serving the insurance needs of folks all around Hot Springs Village since 1998. Ike has qualified for State Farm's President's Club, Chairman's Circle, and Hot Springs Village Insurance Agent of the Year. Call Ike Eisenhower State Farm today at 501-984-4100. That's 501-984-4100. Find them online at IkeEisenhower.net. Call them today for all your insurance needs because, like a good neighbor, Ike Eisenhower State Farm is there. So May 11th, a a big event. It was a Thursday. Uh, According to some folks who have their own private rain gauges, we got eight, eight, north of eight inches in just a matter of uh, 12 hours, according to some folks. And I know it presented some some real difficulties and challenges for you. So let's start the conversation there, Ken, and, and talk to us a little bit about in real time, what does that look like behind behind the scenes for you guys? Yeah, well, you know, for me personally, I was sitting in a public service meeting uh, and it was about 10 a.m. And my, you know, I saw it was raining out and it started intensifying. So it had been raining, you know, overnight and we knew we had a few inches of rain, but nothing you know, came in the next morning, there really wasn't much, but around 10 a.m. that morning, my phone started basically blowing up. And, uh, you know, I had multiple missed calls, multiple uh, customer service requests. And, and that's the point that I knew we were, we were in trouble. Um, you know, I still didn't know, you know, really how bad, you know, it was um, until I got out of that meeting, uh, which we got out a little bit early, but it was about 11 o'clock. And as I as I got out and started looking and calling the people back that had called me, I realized, you know, that, and it was still raining at that point. So I was like, oh boy, this, this, this is not good. And, uh, you know, I'd engaged my uh, uh, streets team to see, you know, what was going on. And my common property guy, Todd Knowles, who I know, you know, well, and, mm-hmm. and of course they were already getting inundated as well with, with requests for drainage relief issues that were, that were happening across the village. And, uh, you know, in addition, started getting texts, you know, from some of them that we had a, we had a car submerged that was ha- that happened that morning, uh, several pictures of landslides that occurred, uh, several roads that washed out, uh, basically just blew the culverts out of the, out of the underneath the road. It was pretty, pretty unbelievable. Um, but, you know, so as far as how we responded, you know, we have those teams that, that initially respond to these things when, when residents call in and, and submit uh, tickets. But what we wound up doing there was I was I was about two two seconds uh, close to calling and evoking our disaster recovery plan, um, which would have engaged everyone at that point. Uh, you know, we already had PD was involved, fire was involved, my team. Uh, but what I was able to do was actually reach out to all of my other superintendents and say, hey, we have an event here that, that goes beyond the capabilities of that department. You know, what what can you do to support it? And, you know, we have a great team here of people and you know the the line maintenance group that handles water sewer was out there unclogging uh, culverts that were we were getting reports on helping to deal with flooding um help helping to you know help uh you know repair some of the areas that were uh were damaged and 
And it was pretty much, you know, I was very astounded by the, the response of my team and, and, you know, fire and police to being able to uh, basically, you know, I won't say get back to normal, but basically within the next 24 hours, we had pretty much everything under control. We had the landslides cleared. We had, you know, uh, culverts back in place uh, with with at least gravel over top of the roads on Pizarro and, and, and another road, Brilliante, that, you know, kind of kind of washed out. And, uh, you know, life started to go back to normal. Um, you know, we had a lakes, the lakes team was, uh, had been extremely busy a, as a result of that. You know, they still are frankly cleaning, cleaning up debris that, that uh, it is around as a result of stuff washing into the lakes and stuff. But, but the team responded extremely well. I mean, I, I couldn't be any happier with how, how they responded. And, uh, you know, hopefully the impact to the, to the residents was, you know, as, as easy as could be, because that was absolutely an event that we don't see very often. And, uh, you know, we learned, we learned a lot from it and, and I've been, publishing uh stories about it uh, as far as how how these events affect residents and what they can do to help mitigate it um because now we know something we know uh where stuff's going to wash out not just on our you know the main roads but people's driveways uh you know where you know that no matter what we do from a drainage standpoint we're not going to accommodate that kind of water so you know i've kind of tried to give you know my fellow residents some guidance there you know if you if you know it's going to wash out you know maybe don't put stuff that you want to get washed out there you know uh right put some heavier stuff or, or maybe nothing at all i don't know but um and and you know make sure your driveway culverts are clear we had a lot of uh you know a lot of uh, interest now in you know the driveway culverts and the fact that you know some of them have been clogged for years and now all of a sudden with heavy rains like this people are getting blown out and they're you know going well who cleans those well you do. I mean, you, you own them, you install them and, you know, we, we try to help, but the, the end of the day is, you know, you're responsible for ensuring that that's clear and keeping your ditches clear. All, all those little things that, that seem like an annoyance really pay off when you, you, you've done it in, in events like this. So, yeah. And uh, it reinforces the need, you know, that you guys have been on to replace some of these culverts that are really getting long in the tooth. Yeah. And that's the, you know, one of the great news out of this story was all the culverts that we rehabbed last year, not one of them failed. So, you know, if you, if you want any good news, you know, everything that we touched last year survived that rainfall event on May 11th. Um, there was one area where we had done just some minor work that, that, that eroded a little bit, but you know, pretty much everything we touched, uh, is, was still intact and, and held up, uh, which again, given that volume of rain was pretty, pretty miraculous. Even those, uh, you know, did as well as they did. So. Yeah, I've talked to people that have been in the village for, I don't think I've talked to anybody that's been there for over 20 years, but I've talked to people that have been there pushing 20 years and, you know, they say they've never seen anything of that magnitude in the time that they've been there. So we're talking an unprecedented event, but to your point, those are, those are events that really can teach us an awful lot of things aside from the personal responsibility of okay, the things that you don't want washed away in your driveway culvert, are there, what are the lessons are there for you guys and for all of us, you know, as citizens in the village? Um, you know, I think uh, you want to be very careful. You know, we had that vehicle that, that drove through right. a, a flooded area and, uh, you know, you don't, you know, it doesn't take much water to wash someone or even a vehicle away. Uh, so when you see water coming from a lake crossing a road uh, off an outfall, you don't cross it. <laughs> you, you turn around and go back and you know we got barricades up pretty quick but i don't know that it was en it was quick enough that that people mm -hmm. didn't get in trouble and uh you know it, it's uh, we were fortunate that the fire department was able to use their ladder truck to get to that individual that, that you know uh, went underwater there but um to me that was you know one of the biggest things is you know safety first and and uh you know we had people you know and i've said this before you know we have people that uh, the poa doesn't doesn't really design people's homes or their properties. Okay. When, when somebody right. comes in here to build, they, they're on their own, you know, they, they, we assume that they're doing the due diligence and working with an engineer or an architect or whoever it is, a builder to ensure that their property is, is built correctly to withstand a, a worst case scenario. And by me that is, you know, you may have drainage issues, but you know, if your house is flooding because of this, because of this rain, then something's not right. Something wasn't done to stop that from happening because uh, nobody thought about this type of scenario. And we had houses on lakes that were basically water was coming up to the, into the doors, into the, into the garages. The whole house was surrounded. Some of these houses were new uh, where the water was totally surrounding the house on the lake. Mm -hmm. So, you know, 
I, I know people want to save money. They don't want to bring in fill to build, you know, build up the house sure. or they want it to be flat. But, you know, you got to be thinking about these things or, you know, we have people that have driveways that go right down to their house and, yeah. and they don't put drains in or make sure it's pitched or go, comes back up, you know, sloped enough and water runs right into their garage and stuff. And, and there's nothing the POA can do about that. And, and we don't, you know, we're, we aren't involved in that process. The a, ACC committee is looking at architectural elements, not, you know, engineering elements of property. Sure. And, uh, you know, that hopefully is a big lesson to people in the village and and hopefully the builders and other people out here that, you know, you have to you have to be thinking about what's going to happen when you have events like this, when you're when you're building your property. And from our standpoint, you know, the POA standpoint, you know, I mean, I think, like I said, we, we did a, about as good a job as I could have expected in clearing roads, putting up bar- barricades to stop people and, and repairing the roads that were damaged. But, you know, we could always do better. I mean, I'm sure there's, you know, we haven't done a full debrief. We're still we're still working on cleaning up some stuff. But sure. like the Lakes Lakes Group, we're going to talk about, you know, methods of procedures on when we have major events, you know, what what it involves and how we get out there and clean stuff up. And, and uh, you know, we'll see where what we come out of it. But those were the couple of the big things, I think, that, that struck me. Yeah. And these these kind of tests. I mean, for those of us that have ever been in leadership positions and organizations, I mean, these kind of tests, man, they they really serve serve a great value once you go back and do the debrief or you know the uh the autopsy of the event to see yeah. you know when you kind of see where people shine who we probably thought they would anyway but it yeah and i'll probably you know, we some do, hero moments we do yearly disaster drills or we did last year you know we have to do them for our dams and we also want to do them for our emergency action plans and, and i haven't written this one up yet per se we're still collecting uh information on costs that we incurred and, and other things on this, but I, mm-hmm. you know, I'm definitely going to write this up as an event <laughs> because sure. at least for my, my team and police and fire, we, we, and even rec, I mean, I can tell you rec, rec was out there doing all kinds of work during this. You know, I wasn't really in tune with them, but you know, they had trails blown out. They had other things happening um, that they were engaged in separately, uh, uh, you know, while my team was out there. So there was definitely some things that we'll learn out of this that we'll put into our disaster recovery plans as, as we get through it. So. Is it too is it too early to even give any kind of a ballpark range of what this of what this expense might have been? F- fully understanding that some of these things, I mean, if so, if if the culverts that some of the, the that got blown out, mm-hmm. they were going to be replaced anyway. Well, I'm assuming the cost is going to be higher, but it's not sure. like it's it's not like it's a hundred percent expense due to this storm because it was probably due to re- be replaced anyway. Yeah, potentially at some point, right? It was probably close close to its end of useful life. You know, obviously right. we wouldn't have uh, replaced them, you know, I and mean, it would have been planned, right, to do it. So, sure. yeah, but I mean, I think, you know, we're talking tens of thousands of dollars, at least in, in the cost of uh, the culverts that we, we had to replace, the the man hours, the, the pavement that we're going to have to lay down. Um, you know, so, I mean, we don't, I don't have a full tally. I don't have a full tally for the organization. I, I'm working sure. on my own yeah. at this point, but I know that's at least in the tens of thousands uh, of what we had to spend to get stuff restored and are still working. Human, human injury or anything? I mean, because I know safety is a huge, huge thing for yep. you guys, but even for staffers or, or citizens, I mean, I didn't hear of any. Nope. Knock on wood. Yeah. I mean, this was yeah. another uh, example that, you know, I think our, our teams were smart. They didn't uh, do anything that, that put them at, at, at risk or in jeopardy. And that's, you know, generally the position we take. If it doesn't, if it's too too risky. Don't, don't worry about it. We'll get it. We'll get it when it calms down. You know, we get, we had a lot of people that were, um, you know, asking for certain things to be done that we just said, we can't do anything about that right now. I mean, it's not safe. You know, it's, right. it's you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get over there and, and work with you when, when we can get in there and, and see what can be done. But, um, under the conditions, we just, you know, made the decision not to touch it. So, but yeah, yeah nobody, nobody got hurt to my knowledge. And, uh, that was a blessing. I assume that this does quite a bit to scramble whatever your whatever your work calendar looked like or project your project mm-hmm. flow. So, talk to us about projects that you've got going now. The the any any in the future plans that you want to share with us, and and if if this impacted any of those in any significant way. Uh, you know, it, it does, it affects, you know, obviously we have a, a schedule that we try to adhere to on things like, uh, culvert replacements and, uh, 
you know, service orders for residents that have drainage issues. And, and I'm focusing on the, the, the streets team because they're the ones that got impacted the most as far sure. as what they were planning to do. Um, so they get set back by whatever time they're spending on on restoring the stuff to at least a, a usable condition. And again, it wasn't it wasn't horrendous. I mean, they, they probably spent three or four days, you know, recovering. But that put, you know, service requests for residents that have, you know, culvert crossings they identify that are blocked or something, you know, behind. And we got inundated with them. So we have a backlog of probably, you know, a month worth of uh, service orders to, to catch up on. Um, you know, the lakes team, like I said, they've been, you know, working on all of our lakes, trying to clean up as much of the debris as they can. So that's, you know, more or less put them behind on, on business as usual duties mm-hmm. that they're, they're, they're responsible for doing, you know, the road team, uh, uh, common property team, a lot of down trees, you know, had to respond to those, right. um, you know, but, uh, I mean, most of the organization right now I'd say is back in doing business as usual. Uh, we probably lost about a week, week and a half on average across the enterprise, you know, having to respond and, and restore things. But, you know, we have a lot of work going on and, 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 you know, a lot of it, I don't know that residents are aware of um, per se. I mean, we have work going on at our plants. We have work going on in the infrastructure in our networks uh, that, you know, you don't see the people in the house, you know, the buildings doing, doing that work, but right. um, lift station work. We have a, a lot of stuff going on out there. But what's coming up that, that residents are going to see, uh, which is one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you guys, was we have a, a bunch of road work coming up. Um, so, you know, my team has been out there doing, uh, you know, their things with pothole repairs and patching. We have a contractor that's doing patching, larger patching work. They've been doing that for the last couple months. Uh, we've had a vendor out there crack ceiling predominantly on DeSoto Boulevard to try to protect that road. Um but we're going to pivot into now some bigger projects that are going to, you know, cause more delays uh, to the residents here. And I wanted them to be aware of what's coming out. And I've been trying to advertise it out here. The first one of those things is going to be the repair of Barcelona Road from DeSoto back to Malaga Way. Um, so, you know, the the residents over there have been struggling and with, with the conditions of that road having to do with the super pave uh, layer that was laid there that's been failing. And, uh, you know, it's very difficult to patch because it's thin. Um, and sometimes the patches cause more, you know, rough ride than, than right. the, the pothole does. But um, so we're actually going to mill, which is basically take off the top two inches of pavement. We're going to use that millings in, in other spots in the village, like some of the boat ramps uh, over at Orange Grove Park. Uh, oh. We're going to put uh, put some millings down there um, or Grove Park. I mean, sorry, got that confused with a project I worked on 40 years ago. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> All right. Um, but, you know, so we'll we'll do that two inches. Uh, then we'll put new asphalt down there um, across the whole road, restripe all that. And then we're going to uh, seal the balance of North Barcelona and South Barcelona, where we didn't get to it last year. Um, we did some of South Barcelona um, where we fog coated it and restriped it. So we'll, we'll protect the rest of that road that's been crack sealed for the most part um, and, and restripe it. So that'll hopefully be protected and, and in good shape for the next uh, several years. Uh, we're also going to do some milling on Balearic, uh, closer to um, the Coronado Center. Uh, as you leave the Coronado Center and make a left, there's some really rough areas on Balearic mm-hmm. Road there that we're going to mill right. and replace sections there. Um, and then, what are uh, the what are the? Give me some ETAs here on, and some timelines. So that yeah, we so June, the June time frame is going to you know Balearic is, is going to start in the June time frame here. Uh, they'll, they'll probably move to Balearic shortly after that. Um, so that'll be going on you know for the mo- most of June. I think they're getting ready to start within the next week or so. I mean, I think this is supposed to air on Friday. Yep. Hopefully, the following week they, they're going they're going to get rolling. Is my hope, uh, weather dependent, obviously. Sure. Um, and then, you know, that, that should take them a few weeks. Now, we'll we'll detour most of those areas. So people, uh, we won't be able to detour, obviously, where we're doing one lane on Balearic. But on the Barcelona route, uh, we'll be able to detour residents around that. And that'll allow them to finish faster so that there's, you know, less inconvenience, hopefully, uh, right. in, in us doing that project. Because we're doing both sides of the road at, at, at DeSoto there. Now, a project like that is going to take how long? It should take a couple weeks. No more, okay. maybe, maybe a week, you know, I mean, it depends on how, 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 you know, yeah, the weather, yeah, yeah. A lot weather of it depends and all on the that. weather, sure. And, sure. you know, but I would imagine within two weeks, we'd have that pretty much wrapped up. And then the, the fog ceiling probably isn't going to happen until the July, August timeframe. Okay. We have some other work over there that we're, we're doing on Barcelona, uh, having to do with, uh, uh, some, uh, forest management 
and and I definitely want to talk to you a little bit about what's happening there because we got a problem in the village that you know we've been kind of talking about a little bit with beetles, yep. but it's kind of manifested into some bigger issues. Um, and yeah, in fact, you have- and I you and I are recording this on Tuesday, June the sixth, and just today's episode was an episode that we did uh, that we did with Todd about about okay. some of those issues. Yeah, and it's 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 getting bad, and and you know you're going to see some things happen that. Uh, you know, probably going to be shocking, frankly, to, to most people. But, you know, if we don't do it, we're, we're going to stand to lose a lot more trees um, than, than what we would if we went in there and took them out the way we're yeah. planning to well, take I made them out. Yeah, no, I made notes, so I'll remind you to circle back around it so you can keep, keep yeah. finishing your, your road work. Yeah, so the other big project we're going to do is, you know, we're trialing a new process here because we have areas in the village where, um, you know, the roads as they were built were basically uh, surface course pavement put on top of some some amount of stone uh, and not, not necessarily everything that you need for a, a good road base to support the type of traffic that we see here. Um, and we're, we're gonna trial a new process called full depth reclamation. Um, and, and what that involves is you, you take off the top two inches of pavement. We're gonna use those millings somewhere else again in the village. So we'll mm-hmm. make reuse of all that stuff. And then you take a, a certain amount of depth below that and in this case, we're going about 12 inches and you basically churn it all up and you add cement to it. So you take the remaining pavement depth that's there, which is in in, in the case of uh, Madeiras, which is where we're going to trial this. Um, it's about another two inches of pavement. There's about two to four five inches of pavement there. They just overlaid the, the surface course with another surface course mm-hmm. layer several years ago. So we'll mix all that up and, and, and create about a 12 inch base that's effectively concrete. It's a, you know, a mixture of pavement stone right. whatever else is there with cement and they they'll roll that out um they let that harden um they do a little cracking on the surface of it and then we'll come back and put two inches back down so now what you have is a two inch surface course which is drivable over top of a 12 inch base and you know the hope there is is that all the damage that's been done to Madeiras from truck traffic that's been going on from construction back there uh that that profile will stand up to those loads and we won't you know lose that road like we've lost it you know time and time again we go in there and patch it with two inches of pavement and it just gets blown out i mean i got sections we we i think one of them we did last year and it's already got blown out by 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 trucks so you know that we 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 are potentially changing that a little bit we were going to do both sides of the entrance um and and just shut it down um entirely um, we're, we're talking to the contractor right now because the the, the section of Madeiras behind where we were going to stop, which is past Alhaja Lane, is actually failing worse than the exit lane on Madeiras. Oh. So mm-hmm. we, we, we were probably going to change it up, which helps the residents there a little bit because we were going to direct all inbound and outbound traffic uh, on Madeiras for that project, which was three or four weeks, to Elcano. So all inbound and outbound traffic would have been coming out of Elcano. And we may still have to do that. We're still talking to the contractor and engineer about it. But what we're, we're proposing to do now is just extend up the inbound lane of Madeiras as far as we can go with what, what we're under contract for on a square yard basis and replace that in, in its entirety. And and there's sections in there that are that are really failing bad that we would we would have to patch if we didn't do this anyway, just for the short term, right. which would probably get blown out again. So we figured we'll move everything over. That'll allow us to maintain the outbound traffic on Madeiras to keep that open and just have inbound traffic going up Balcano um, for, for people to get in. And that project's going to start on July 10th tentatively right now. We're, we waited till after the July 4th holiday. Right. Um, and it'll run for three to four weeks is the, is the anticipated construction. I'm going to say four weeks. And if we get done early, then people will be happy. Right. Um, but uh, you know, and, and hopefully when, you know, when we're done, we'll have some time there to see how it holds up. And it should hold up fairly well. Most roads built with a 12-inch base, um, if it's yeah, done right. Yeah, that's a big base. That's a big how, how base. Old, how, old is that, um, how old is that technology? Is this relatively kind of a new technology? I, I mean, I haven't heard of no, you know, with city governments, but I haven't. I don't dive into all the engineering and stuff. But it, yeah. I mean, it, sounds, like a, it sounds like a really killer solution. Yeah, it's not it's not new new, um, but it's not been necessarily readily used in in normal paving operations. There's there's been a process called lime stabilization, which has been used 
uh, on a more regular basis, which helps. Uh, it, it sucks the moisture out and helps dry up the sub base. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily turn it into concrete like this. This does. Um, it, this is is used in, in in more rural areas, frankly, that, that have less money uh, yeah. to spend on on right. road reconstruction. If you look at what it does, the thing I like about it is it really cuts down on the truck traffic because instead of me having to rip all that material out, haul all of it off, and and I probably wouldn't get yeah. to use it right because right. it'd be in chunks. Yeah. Um, and then I'd have to haul in base material. Yeah. Now you just turn it. Now I'm just churning everything that's there. So there's a lot less truck traffic. And frankly, it should it should result in a faster process, too. So, you know, where it could take weeks to, you know, more than weeks to do it. You know, hopefully we can get it done. That's why I'm not com- I'm not committed to get it done faster than four weeks. But my yeah, hope yeah. is it's actually done uh, quicker than that. And right. uh, and, and you know, we have a, a, a base now that's even more structurally sound than if we had to reconstruct the road with six inches of stone four inches of base pavement yeah. and two inches of top coat, you know? Um, so, so we'll see. And if it works, you know, now we have a, an answer and it's about 30% cheaper, by the way. Um, when we compared the cost we got to what their, their estimate, what they know it costs to actually reconstruct a road, right. it was about 30% cheaper. So, you know, there's a lot of positives for us to try this. And if it works, you know, we may go down the rest of Madera, keep on going down the uh, where we know we have horrible base yeah, uh, and 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 keep reconstructing. We don't have to do the whole road. We can just do sections of it too that are that are you know in bad shape. You know, there may be areas where there's you know who knows what's under the road that we want to do this too. So, um, but my 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 thought is we're going to do basically both sides of Madaris on that inbound and outbound lane as part of this, and then we'll see where it goes from there. Um, and we can do this, I think, on a, on a spot level basis. We don't have to do major stretches. But but the other facet to this that I, I think. You know, I'm trying to solve, and this goes with the milling over on uh, Barcelona. You know, we don't. When the roads were built, they weren't built with with you know what I would call uh, great slopes for water to run off. Mm-hmm. Now the Madeira's entrance isn't too bad, but you know things like Barcelona, the roads were paved basically in, in the contour of the ground, um, and and what that causes is water. You know, we have a lot of problems seeing the white lines on, on the on the road when it rains, and we put some. Right. Uh, reflective pavement markers on the right side, right and left sides of the roads, actually, if you've been up here recently to help people see in the rain at night. Um, but what, what we're going to try to do with this is actually ensure that the roads are crowned properly, that have that they have cross slope on them so that water runs off. And that'll help preserve the road as well longer. Right. So the, the less water that pools on the road, the better off the road's going to be from a survivability standpoint. So all that's going to be part of this process um, that the longer stretches we can do the more we can redesign it properly when we reconstruct it, if that makes sense. Yep. So. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so that's so that's set for the week beginning the week of July the tenth. Correct. Taken will will go a month. Correct. So, what else? Like over the over the summer, over the summer months that you really would like to handle anything else. Well, we have we have some uh, you know some water main projects going on. So we have a section on Pontra Vedra. Uh, lane that is a uh, perpetual rupture uh, section. The pipe was built on rock. It wasn't properly bedded from what we can tell. And we've, we've had, you know, a lot of uh, issues there and had to tear up the road to fix it multiple times. I think twice since I've been here. Um, so, you know, we're going to replace a section there that's been problematic. Um, as t- tied to that project, we're actually going to uh, complete some interconnections that were never done that improve the resiliency and redundancy in feeds to some major neighborhoods that, you know, when we had certain cuts, we had to cut off water to hundreds of homes. And now mm-hmm. we'll be able to avoid that by these smaller interconnects that we're going to tie into this project. Um, so th- those are two. And one of those is on Barcelona. So that's when I was saying we're going right. to we're going to fog seal a little bit later because we got to do some of this water main work on Barcelona first. We don't want the fog seal and then do the yeah, water main sure. work. Um, uh, and then the rest of it's on Carmona between Fresno and Pontra Vedra. So, you know, those are a couple, uh, uh, committed water main projects that we have. We have a couple more, at least one more that I'd like to try to do this year. We'll see how it goes. Uh, and then, you know, a big, another big project that the community isn't going to see was, you know, we, we promised that we were going to change out the chlorine feed, which is gas, gas chlorine feed in the water plant to hypochloride. Well, that project is current, was awarded. Um, about three weeks ago, we just signed the contracts. Uh, I think Kelly just signed them yesterday. If I'm, yesterday's Monday, right? Yeah, I think he just signed them yesterday. And 
Um, we're going to start that process within the next 30 days. And, uh, you know, pending lead times on some of the equipment, we're, we'll have it done this year. I'm not sure exactly when, but that's a big one. Um, you probably heard where my team took over and is, is working on the uh, rehabilitation of the Whirlpool Room mm-hmm. in the Coronado Center. And uh, I will I, without without committing to a uh, firm opening date because I can't because <laughs> right. I don't control the opening of it. Yeah, right. Um, I can tell you that my team's going to predominantly be done in there within the next week. So the last thing we That's had to awesome. wait on, yeah, the last thing we had to wait on was the flooring vendor uh, to uh, get in his schedule to be able to mm-hmm. pour the floor that, that's going in there, and it's yeah. going to be you know hopefully a, a, a good floor that, that will last as long as I'm here. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we replaced the ceilings. We reinstalled the place. We, we improved the air conditioning in there. The electrical we improved. Um, we, uh, I mean, we did a lot of things in there. The lighting is, is going to be different. Uh, so, I mean, you know, for some people, it may not look like it's uh, dramatically different. But hopefully for those people that use it on a regular basis, we'll, we'll notice a difference in the aura of that room and how clean it is. Because yeah. that's, that's the essence of what we're trying to do is clean it up right. and make it look new. And hopefully have it not rust. Like you know, they used right. a drop ceiling in there with metal. Yeah. Um. You know, we have a plastic ceiling in there now, so you you know it should okay. never rust. Um. We we use spray foam insulation up in the you know rafter yeah, areas, so that you know will hopefully help improve the environment in there and and reduce cooling costs. Sure. Uh, as, as part of it, so you know there was a lot of things we did, and I, and I I don't have the full tally on that, but I think we did it for pretty darn good price. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll give the information on that when we're done, but, um, that, that's a big one that we, yeah, we took yeah. on unknowingly. We, we hadn't, right. we weren't going to be involved in that. We just said, yeah, we'll do it. Um, and, and, you know, work with rec to get it done. So, uh, that was a good one. Um, it's a shame you're not busy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's just, just a small, not, that's just a small fa- yeah. faction of actually what we're doing, believe yeah. it or not. It, well, it of course. We, well, it's, the, it's, know, it's a lot of that front facing stuff, but yeah. listen, I, you know, see, I a lot of the projects are. we do, they don't, uh, you, you probably wouldn't even know what they mean. You know, right. like there's stuff like pressure valves, you know, do you know yeah. what they are in the water? So, you know, most people wouldn't know what they are, but they're everywhere right. in our system and, you know, we're rehabbing yeah. those. So, you know, there's stuff we're doing under the scenes that hopefully, you know, will, will improve our, our, you know, our future here in, in our distribution systems and our, and our sewer system. We've got a lot of sewer work going on. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we've been working on sewer line, the main sewer lines into a lift station called Cortez now for about six months. And, uh, you know, we have grand plans there because we have to upgrade Mill Creek plant one way or another. That, that plant's 50 years old. It's a package plant. You can't buy the components for it anymore. So you're either replacing all the elements in it or you're doing something different. And right now we're looking to do something different. We're potentially going to bypass it. Um, as, as crazy as that sounds, but, um, you know, we're going to put a lift station at Mill Creek and we're probably going to try to pump the flow, the, the treatment p- part of that plant to Cedar Creek where we have a lot oh, more room okay. to grow. Yeah. We can grow more efficiently instead of having to add two of something, we can just add an extra one, yeah. um, to, to increase the capacity and, and we'll use Mill Creek to handle any overflows that we have because we have a problem here with a lot of infiltration and inflow during rain events into the Western part of the village. And, uh, you know, we've been trying to fix those points of inflow into the system over the last six months, identify them, improve getting flow to the plant um, so that we know what we have to deal with. And, and we're getting ready to go talk to DEQ about our plans. um, So that we have their buy-in before Mm -hmm. we present it even to the board so that the, that we know we can do it um, and then start working with the, with the board and the different committees to, to lay it out. For the community to see and, and and present it but you know the goal is there is to fix problems while putting us in a long-term position to handle the growth in the village um and and not have to worry about how things are are uh are being handled so you know we'll see well and i i i've got a i've got appreciation that come on any anybody that's in your line of work knows that there are some things that you you there are some circumstances where patchwork is is the best solution in the short term, but it certainly isn't the way that you guys are conducting business so far as, as I can tell, you know, and trying to look at something that more long-term can solve the problem. Yeah, you have to. I mean, things like water sewer, you know, you, you can only patch so long. You know, you, you know, number one, the, the, the state won't let you just do that. They won't let you right. just keep patching, you know, I mean, at some point they, and I think the village has been under consent decree in the past for, 
you know, for issues related mm -hmm. to water and sewer. And, and then you're forced to do things that you oh. don't necessarily want to do. So, you know, my position is we know we got problems. Let's talk to the community about those problems, get it out there and then figure out a long term plan that works for the village and works for this, you know, the, the governmental agencies that, that are regulating us and and uh, then then figure out how we're going to do it. And, right. uh, you know, I, I think we're, we're close. Uh, you know, this is something we've been, I've been working on since I got here, you know, refining the engineering firms we're using, making sure we got the right ones and, mm -hmm. and then starting to put these plans together that, you know, we think are going to solve all these problems at the most economical approach that we can. Right. So. Any, any other engineering kind of things or road kind of things that you want to talk about before we circle back around to the, the forestry challenges that we've got? Um, you know, I don't know. We, we have, a, again, a lot of stuff going on. Um, you know, I don't think from an engineering standpoint that uh, people are looking at, you know, we, we've, we've been kicking around water meters since I, you know, one of the first things I got into here was water meters. And it was this grand scheme to replace all the water meters with these remote monitored meters. Right. Smart meters. Yeah. Smart meters. And, you know, that sounds great. You know, I mean, if, you know, you, you know, and, and I did some research on them. I'm like, wow, oh, these are great. I even had one installed in my house so I could see how great it was supposed to be. And I've looked at it twice since I've had it installed. Um, and, the, and the reality is like for something like that, you know, if you're a utility and you're trying to improve your revenue, um, you know, it might be a good thing to do, especially mm -hmm. if you have a, a huge commercial base. If you have a huge commercial base going, going wireless and, and, and smart technology, it makes sense. But when you're the owner of the utility, right, yeah. when, you know, because we are, we're the, we own our own utility, right? you know, spending millions to bill ourselves more to pay for those millions doesn't really make a lot of sense from a business case. Mm -hmm. We don't have a lot of commercial here. We got, you know, 200 plus right. entities that are commercial. The rest of it's all us. So, you know, when I went back and looked at it and I just floated this past the public service and the finance uh, planning committee, you know, there's no real... Uh, financial benefit to us to, to go smart meter. I mean, we may offer it to residents as an option, but the difference between a smart meter and a regular meter is a regular meter is like 85 hours, a smart meter is 335 hours. And then you got to pay a monthly fee. That's right. So, you know, I mean, uh, we have to replace meters. You know, you're not supposed to have meters that are 30 or 40 years old, but, but and, and that has to do with calculating your water loss because you don't want to mm -hmm. lose, you know, that in your numbers. But you know, I, I think from a, a POA standpoint, you know, our most cost effective approach is to stick with, you know, regular meters where and, and do smart meters where it helps us. Dangerous locations, right. uh, you know, commercial maybe. And then, you know, if residents maybe want to buy them and spend that, you know, because it's going to be like 400, 500 because we got to install um, and then have pay a higher monthly bill for them. Then maybe mm -hmm. we offer that as a, as a convenience. You know, I'm still working that out, but. Uh, so that that's something that I've been, you know, has been on. And of course, there's always the trash, you know, that <laughs> that's always that's a big, the trash. Yeah. Yeah. So we, you know, we just bought, a, a purchased a second commercial trash truck. Um, we only had one mm -hmm. um, and it broke down this week, uh, which was unfortunate. So that creates a, a very uh, undesirable situation for us. Yeah. Um, so the board approved this, the second commercial truck. And that also opens up our ability to, maybe do some things for some POA residents that uh, that left the fold of the POA sanitation department and do things in an economical way for them and bring them back into the fold uh, in the future here, which, you know, I, I plan to talk to somebody, you know, very well in the near future about, you know, what we can do to help those people who may yeah. be ready to be shocked by a price increase of some sort. Right. So we'll, we'll right. see where that goes. And, you know, I'm always thinking about how we can, you know, when we do something, how we can help, you know, sure. improve the lives of, of residents here. So that's one thing. So, yeah, good. All right. We'll circle back around to the, uh, to the forestry and dive yeah. into that however deeply you want to. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't want to steal, you know, Todd's thunder here, but you know, uh, you know, when I got here, um, you know, they, they were doing a clearing project on, uh, off of Nisiodor and DeSoto and, uh, you know, because of a beetle infestation right. and, you know, that was kind of the, uh, you know, the, uh, the beginnings of this, this problem that, that the village had and, and you know, it, the residents around that area were not happy with that, with that clearing. And I understand because some people like to have a nice buffer and woods behind their house. The problem is, is that the, the, the beetle infestation that we're experiencing is not one that you can, uh, uh, gracefully address, uh, on a, on a select uh, few trees. So, you know, even that area where we cleared, there are trees still dying 
the remaining some of the remaining pine trees are still dying there and now it's spread further west in the village so you know we have uh, you may remember i talked to you you know before this we were handling all the forestry on our own yes. um you know we would hire a logger come in take out those trees on Anisiador and right. you know he, he he wasn't a forestry management guy he was just a guy cutting trees down nice you know, great guy we, we could you know, work sure. with him a lot tim cosby but you know uh we we did not have people really evaluating we had some foresters on the common properties committee active foresters and they were telling us <laughs> we got a problem um but we entered into a relationship with green bay packing who is our next door neighbor as it turns out to be and uh you know they pretty much substantiated to us that we, we have a problem and then we, we and then to top that uh we have this other disease going on there's a there's a needle disease hitting us yeah. now yeah, that's um, which is, yeah, which is also deadly to trees. Um, you know, I think the survival rate I heard was like at best 15 to 25 percent, something like that. When it hits the top crown of the tree, yeah. you can kiss it goodbye. Yeah, it's brutal. Um, so, you know, we have a choice to make here as, as, a, as an entity. We can either um, get proactive and start doing the forest management that needs to happen, which means tree clearing, to uh, take the trees out, A, while they still have value, um, so before the beetles get to them, right. Um, and, and, and get some revenue, hopefully tied to that, or we can wait and have our trees decimated and, and have stands of dead trees. Like we had on Anisiador spread all across the village off on our golf courses right now. They're, they're actually, actually got to the golf courses. There's someone in there's someone, uh, Isabella. And I just went through Granada this weekend. There's, there's trees that are showing, uh, signs of it on, on Granada. So it's moving West and, uh, if we don't get aggressive with this, we're going to lose. We're going to lose a lot of trees, and and it's going to be a cost to us, as opposed to getting them out of here now, protecting the balance of the forest, and 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 getting paid something for it. So, you know, we uh, are meeting with uh, the forest management guys tomorrow. The, the logging component that's coming in here and uh, trying to lay out a schedule of where we're going to try to attack and. And we may be working with multiple loggers to stop this. I, I don't even know if one logger can do it on their own. Um, we may have multiple, some of the smaller guys we've used in the past helping us, um, as well as these bigger guys from, from Green Bay Packing to get in here and, and just, you know, they, they told us that in some of these areas, if you don't clear cut, uh, in some cases, 100 yards around the area that's infested, uh, you're just going to keep losing trees. And, uh, and you have to burn them. I mean, they said this fungus, if you don't, if you don't burn the trees, you know, that, that those spores will, will, will float in the air and, right. and hit other trees. So, you know, we may be having a big bonfire uh, sometime later this summer too, after we get done clearing some of this area. And, and frankly, as part, as, as, as a community, we used to do this. We had a forest management, some type of forest management program and, and it went away. And uh, we, we have to do forest management to avoid these types of situations that we're experiencing right now. If this doesn't prove to the community why we need to do forest management, nothing will. And if anybody thinks that we shouldn't, come over and look at Anisiador, come over and look at some of these, go to the Nature Conservancy. There are blocks of trees that are just gone, and that is not stopping unless we stop it. it it'll blight the entire forest if we don't stop it. So, um you know, you're going to see activity there. And that's part of what else is going on in Barcelona. We have some areas there that I think we have to uh, take out some of these trees to either protect the, the forest areas or stop it from spreading. Uh, we don't see it over there really yet, but, you know, <laughs> better to be proactive and start start addressing some of this. So we, we figured if we're going to if we're going to fog seal Barcelona, we might as well go in and thin out the trees in yeah. some of those areas to protect them. So we don't have to go destroy the pavement afterwards. So, you know, we're going to we're going to try to hit maybe some of those areas. And then we're definitely going to hit the east side uh, pretty hard where you see all these brown needles coming because those are dead trees. Yeah. And so. these threats are, you know, both these threats are airborne. And so I, yeah. I, mean, I, I get I get that. That distance that, you, that you'd have to clear the good. The good thing is. Things grow back. Yeah. They do. Nature nature really flourishes. I mean, any of us who have gone through places where there's unfortunately been some kind of a forest fire, uh, yep. it's, it's amazing. It's amazing to me how quickly I have seen areas of the country where I have seen it shortly after 
such a disaster as that, which we're, we're not comparing this to that at all, but yeah, na- well, I don't want to, that's why, that's why I'm trying exactly, to do what I'm doing. I don't, exactly. I don't want to. <laughs> Nature has a way of really, re- of really rebounding, but well, I think it, points, it comes down to the canopies, right? I mean, if the canopies yeah. are covering the sun to the, to the lower level trees, they don't, yep. they don't grow as fast. As soon as you that's take right. that out, they start to grow. That's so right. you're right. I mean, you know, right. it may not happen as fast as people want, but you know, before you know it, you start having these trees growing up. I mean, yeah. Well, we've had Barton Langford and we've had a number of people on our show who are, you yeah. know, who are, who are real, really expert in, yep. in, in this. That's who I'm relying on. And they all say, they all tell us the same thing. They all tell us that, you know, this for the good of, of the, of the, of the forest of the trees, you got to do it. Yep. The problem that we're having with, with a lot of these things is some of this stuff, you know, hasn't been done. Yep. You know, whether that's due to neglect or, or just not knowing, you know, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to judge it, but I don't know. I, I think, I think I would hope that we all feel some sense of stewardship. We do bear responsibility. I mean, this place existed yeah. long before I found out about it and I'm, well, and, the, the reality and I'm certain is, it will outlive me. So, well, and the irony on some of these are, which, you know, I don't know if people realize, but if you look at some of these stands, right. I mean, they were mm-hmm. all planted. A lot of these stands right. were planted. They were planted right. by Deltic or whoever owned, you know, Warehouser uh-huh. who owned these uh-huh. these lands, right? So they were actively logging them. It's not like this is these were nature's trees <laughs> that right. you know were taking off the face of the earth when we yeah. take them down. There were, a lot of them were you know planted for harvesting, and you know you it, it's intent. You know their their intent would have been to strip clear it, right? Um, yeah. You know, but even in a forestry management stand, you know, standpoint, you got to have a certain radius around around every tree so they can grow healthily, you know, mm-hmm. become healthy and stay healthy. So that's what we're trying to get to and what we're going to hopefully manage to. But until we get these disease trees out of here, the trees with the beetles out of here, you know, we don't stand a chance. So that, you know, it's going to look a little severe probably at first as we start this process. But once we're confident that we've cut it off, which I hope we can, um, you know, then it'll become more, more, you know, not, not as drastic. It'll be, you right. know, hopefully, you know, we'll have, We'll still have trees in each area. Sure. It just won't be as. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know. How optimistic are the experts that you're relying on that this can be mitigated in some way? I haven't heard anybody say that it, it can at this point. All they're telling us is you need to get in there and start cutting. Yeah. Um, if you don't, if you don't take them out, they're all going to be dead in a year, and uh, you're going to be paying to take them out, or they're just going to be dropping on the ground. So, you know, um, yeah. I think, you know, I, I think uh, because of the. And, and this is my understanding because I'm not an expert in any of this. I mean, this is all based on what I, sure. I'm hearing from the people that we're, we're dealing with. And even Bart and, and Max that you talked about, you know, they don't even know what this one disease is that's hitting these pine trees. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the state level and, and even in other states here where it's hitting, they don't really know how bad it, it, it is. They just know it's, it's killing trees. Um, so I don't think anybody can, with a straight face tell you that, Hey, we can really stop this. Uh, but you know, if you don't do something, <laughs> you're definitely not stopping it. Right. Um, so, you know, clearing where there's dead stands and, and around those dead stands is, is the best attack that, that I'm aware of right now that, that we can do. It's not like something we can spray on the trees to, you know, to stop yeah. the beetles or stop right. this fungus from going, you got it. You got to take the trees out and you got to burn them. Yeah. You know, if they're, if they're, if they have this on it now, you know, we'll, we'll see. But, yeah. Well, the good news is we are surrounded by a, a lot of experts that know a whole lot more than, than you and I combined about this stuff that we can rely yep. on. So there's that. Yep. yep. All right. What haven't I asked you? What haven't, haven't we talked about that we, uh, that maybe we should before we, uh, I'll let you get back to your busy, busy schedule. I don't know. I mean, you know, we've had a lot of other topics that have been floating around. Uh, we talked a little bit about driveway culverts. There was a big, uh, you know, I've tried to do a lot of education on grinder tanks related to sewers. Yes. So, you know, maybe I'll throw a little, a yeah. little blurb in here on that is because, uh, you know, uh, not a lot of people move into neighborhoods that have a pressurized sewer system. You know, they, they have a line come out of their house. It's gravity. The, right. everything just flows downhill and, you know, life's good. And, mm-hmm. uh, in the village, we have this little different setup. In, in most of the village, there, there are areas where there is gravity. Um, but but in most of the village, we have some form of a tank and pump system that uh, takes your sewage from your home and, and pumps it into the sewer system that ultimately gets it to a lift station that gets it to the sewer treatment plant. And, uh, you know, in over the course of history here, 
um, at least as I as I understand it, you know, because I'll tell you, when I first moved here and had one, I didn't really know either. I was just like, hey, there's a round thing in my yard. It works. Uh, I'm happy. Right. <laughs> right. So um, but, you know, the 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 tank uh, that, that you, your house connects to and the line that runs from that tank that runs to the street where there's a box that the POA owns. All the, that line in the tank and the line from the tank to your home is actually the property owners, uh, you know, part of the property owners. It's just like their water line coming in is, is theirs. They, they own it. Um, the problem that we've had here is, 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 that I found out is, is that the POA, because it's a different system, you know, that people aren't familiar with uh, through years of experience and having to deal with owners who don't know what they're dealing with and, and maybe even vendors that don't know what they're dealing with, plumbers and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um you know, they they we had a lot of problems with these tanks, a lot of a lot of overflowing that wasn't being fixed or, you know, plumbers would go in and, and actually do damage, more damage maybe to the tank and, and what was going on in there. Then then then, you know, and then the, the people would call the POA, obviously, to, to for help uh, that the POA decided back in 2016, 17 time frame that for a mere dollar a month, you know, the POA would would fix the 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 problems in the grinder tanks and and this is evolved because my my understanding was it was just the pumps that we would replace the pumps when it first started but as it stands today we 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 replace everything if there's a problem um up to and including the line for that dollar a month which after increases is maybe a dollar 40 i don't know dollar 35 a month that we're getting but but uh you know uh and, and really the problem is is that we never took maintenance over and we can't we couldn't i mean we couldn't realistically take any kind of maintenance over and, and what that means is a lot of people say well, what's maintenance well we're not going to go in there and, and tweak anything inside the tank what it really comes down to is ensuring that the alarm system works right so you know each one of these systems and and the problem there is they're all different uh you know the, over the course of time you know like today what we install there's a test button you know you could right. you know theoretically get to in the old in the old ones there is nothing you'd have to know how to wire between you know ground out a wire or home out of wire to see you know oh, okay. to show that it's, yeah, I, didn't, I didn't know that yeah my yeah, house yeah. Got a te- i got a test button yeah yeah so you know i mean um you know so you know it, it, we can't basically tell residents okay well you have to go maintain it you know uh because we don't want them messing in the panels we don't want anybody getting electrocuted or, or anything right. of those, those lines so you know what, what i tried to figure out here is well how do we protect homeowners to know that their system is working or not um, and then if there's a problem, then they call us because we can't there's no way I can have I have three guys that do this. Like, there's no way they can come out and, and, and test or or check every system. And, you know, we were, we're responding to outages every day, right. <laughs> multiple outages every day. So, you know, we don't have the resources to do testing. So I said, well, you know, and my guys didn't want people in these, you know, touching them because because mm-hmm. of past problems. But I'm like, we got to do something. We got to give residents some outlet here to know that their system that they own is working right. So what can we do? And and what we concluded was, well, you know, any competent electrician with some guidance and we're putting together a method of procedure for this should be able to test the alarms no matter what their setup is um, and, and verify whether the alarms are working. If the alarms aren't working, then you call us and we'll come out and, and we'll fix them and then we'll check the system to make sure everything's working properly when we come out the alarms because i'll be honest with you we don't know how many alarms are working or not working today we, we really don't we, we don't have a way to see it um right. the, the only time we come out is if we get a call frantic call from a homeowner or or, or an email through my system saying hey my my grinder tank is either in alarm i got an alarm which is good right. um or two my tank's overflowing and i don't have an alarm uh you know the alarm's not working my tank's overflowing can you come out and, and, and then we come out and we do what we can to fix it and, and fix the alarm at that time so, you know, I, I think this is the best compromise right now is that, you know, if residents are concerned, I'm not, we're not requiring it, but if residents are concerned about whether their tank's working properly or not, they can hire a competent electrician. We're going to, I'm going to publish at the board meeting this, this month, the, the method of procedure to, to test the different scenarios that we have out there. Um, and, and they can go hire an electrician to, to test them. And, and, if, and if there's a problem, they can call us. And I just want to make it clear because I've gotten some of these this feedback. We're not saying you have to call an electrician before you call us if there's a problem. If you mm-hmm. know there's a problem, the tank's not, you got an alarm or the tank's not working, 
you hear something strange, it's, you know, uh, right. call us, you know, that's a problem. And, and, and for the dollar, that dollar, we, we agreed we would come out and fix it. I just want to give residents some level of comfort if they want to have it tested without knowing there's a problem or not, that they can call some an electrician and pay to have somebody come out. Do we have any idea what that might cost ballpark? Oh, you know, I mean, how much does it cost to have your AC serviced? I mean, I I don't, you know, electricians probably going to cost you charge you 75 bucks an hour probably to come out. I would imagine to, to test it. I I would think, I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what electricians charge today. I don't either. No, I don't don't think you get anybody out to your house for less than 75 bucks. these days. I doubt it. Yeah. So, you know, and it's not, you know, again, we're not asking them to have the electrician even fix it. Just, you know, Yeah, yeah. If you want it tested, you can hire an electrician have it tested to make sure your audible and your visual alarm is working. And if right. it's not, then you call us. Gotcha. But, you know, if I, if I, if I opened it up to say, just call us and we'll come out, I mean, we'd be inundated and I, I wouldn't be able to do it. I, can't, right. I couldn't do it. So yeah, I, I don't want to say I can do something I can't. Right. Right. So, okay. So that's Good probably the, the biggest thing out there that, that I've been trying to get out and, I think we've covered pretty much everything else yeah, that yeah. of, of consequence. Well, you got it. You've got a you got a busy summer, and it's only just begun. <laughs> yeah, but we're doing a lot. Like I keep telling. Yeah, you we're, are. We're getting a lot done. We got culverts starting up actually at the end of this month. So the balance of the lining that we didn't get to last year. Yeah. Uh, we'll have all culverts from thirty six inch up that were considered class one, uh, totally rehabilitated. We're actually doing a here's we're doing a demo of a new process for culverts smaller than thirty six inch. It's really cool, actually. It's, it was patented in Australia. Uh, it's, it's a thin uh, T with T uh, PVC in, okay. in, a, in like a, a, sheath, a, a sheath. And it actually is like a slinky. If you can envision a slinky, it, it okay. goes like this. Yeah. And it connects to itself. And they slip it into the pipe that, it's, that they're going to line it with. And then they let it expand. It un, un, unfurls to expand to the inside of the pipe. And then they lock it in place. And you basically have a pipe within a pipe. So it's, it's, you know, that's an engineering feat. It is. And it's a, and, and interestingly enough, the American distributor of this is in Little Rock. So, you know, we're, we're having them the first, I know they may have more, but yeah. the first distributor is in, in the U S is in Little Rock. So yeah. we, we met with them. yeah, we're going to do a demo this uh, tomorrow actually. And, uh, and, and, and it's comparable in cost to the cementious lining that we're doing on the larger pipes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, this could be a good solution for the ones that we, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're doing the smaller ones that where the roads already destroyed, where we just go in, we just rip up the road and we replace right. it. We can do that very economically. Uh, we'll, we'll use this type of solution for ones where maybe the roads are in great shape. We don't want to rip it up and it makes sense to, to just line it. And, and, you know, we'll do a similar, like what we did with the cementious lining. We'll, we'll have a number we do every year. And, uh, you know, it may be the answer. We, we have other resin lining technologies that we can deploy here but this is one we thought hey this is this is new this is different uh let's let's check it out and see you know see what it looks like so yeah that going on no it's it's awesome my very first when i began to morph some of my coaching and and consulting business away from business private sector i had an opportunity with city government my first client ever was a a director of public works and so i go in his office and I'm looking at his, I'm looking at his calendar and his schedule and it's got everything on it. I mean, it's just this, I'll never forget. It's just this most enormous color coded chart that I've ever seen. And I said, you know, and he's got, he's got meetings that, that start and stop. And then there's two or three meetings that start and stop. I mean, they're just all overlapping. Yeah. Then he's got his projects. So he had his calendar at the top and he's got all these projects below it. And I'm just, and I just looked at him and I said, I've never, your, just your chart is an engineering feat. You know, he, he was a a master engineer from A&M and had Uh, long, long, long time professional engineer uh, in city government. And I was just, yeah, I was just. I was amazed. So I got, well, in this position, I got great respect. I got great respect for, uh, for your department and all the folks that do the stuff that you've got to do. I mean, it's, it's very infrastructure intensive for sure. Well, and it's, it's this position specifically is, 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 you know, really where, where so many hats, I mean, uh-huh. the umbrella of this position is huge. If you look at, you know, everything that encompasses it's got public utilities, public works, sanitation, Right. You got lakes and dams. I mean, we got stuff going on in dams and stuff too. That we didn't even, I mean, I guess 
I could keep I could keep you on here for hours talking about everything we got going on. I got a long list of yeah, updates well, that I give to my well, boss every week, and that's why yeah. we keep that's why we keep having you come back. So yeah, I mean, there's no shortage of stuff to talk about for sure, man. Yeah, anytime. That's yeah, not at <laughs> my all. My goal is to get the word out to the community about what's going on. And no, and listen, and we're and we're and we're happy to do it. Aren't you glad you retired? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, <laughs> that's another whole show. We could we could we could touch on that. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah, yeah. We definitely. Let's we, just say we, I got a. We need a sense of accomplishment of all, of all the things that uh, we do every day. And, and I'll tell you, what, I, I, I say this, I've said this in the past, and I, we have great people working for us. We are, we are very fortunate here uh, with, the, with the dedicated people. And I'm, I'm not talking about, you know, Kelly and myself, the people, you know, you know the, the residents here. I'm talking about the people that have been here. I mean, I got mm-hmm. people that have been here 40 years, you know, 30 years, 20 years that, that live in the area that, you know, this has been their entire career and uh, they they love the village and they uh, do a great job. They're they're extremely dedicated to helping support us. And uh, I mean, I couldn't be more honored to be uh, working with them and helping them to do the things that we're doing today. It's it's really been a pleasure. And that that's been a you know probably a not, I want to say a surprise, but it's been one of the greatest things that makes it easy for me to do this is that we do have people that care and and want to do good and 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 uh, work their butts off every day. I mean. We don't have a lot of people. I will say that, and they, you know, and I always tell them. I said, "Look, I'm trying to build a special forces here, not an army. I want, you know, I want the best people doing doing what they want to do, enjoy it, and and give them what they need to do it, so we can be successful. And and, and we got a good crew, so I'm I'm really happy. Yeah, well, we're uh, we're all happy that you're there and happy that you're all on the job too, because it, it it keeps the pay, place special for all of us. Thanks yes, for being sir. with us. You're welcome, sir. You have a good. Thanks for watching and listening to Hot Springs Village Inside Out, a weekly podcast starring Hot Springs Village, Arkansas. Visit the website at hotspringsvillageinsideout.com.